Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Monday evening by Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, since we last spoke, the Islanders uh, dropped two very winnable games and won one, you know, fairly exciting game. And uh, I'm pretty sick of this whole stupid pattern. I really, really am just absolutely 100% sick of it. Just, you know, they get a win, it's great, and then they drop two games that Honestly, they should have won uh, and could have won if they, you know, tried a little harder than they did. <laughs> yeah, and it's one thing that I've thought about the past week, I guess, or was that um, in November and December, the discourse was, is the season over? Like, is it, do they have a chance to to get back in the race? because of the way the other teams were playing in the Metro and Eastern conference at large. And the answer was yes. Like it, I mean, the, yeah. the answer was yes, they could get back into it. And this, no, the season wasn't over because had the Islanders played relatively well, like they'd be within shouting distance of uh, Boston and Washington who both dipped. And that's, what's been so frustrating because the points that they've left on the board have come against Buffalo, Seattle, mm. Montreal. Uh, now like the, the whole thing with this team before the Seattle loss was they were only beating the bad teams and then they stopped doing that consistently, <laughs> which is frustrating. And um, yeah, it's now now they're in full. You like like I was saying last time, like season's over until further notice, and further notice probably isn't coming until October. So um, yeah. it's going to be an adjustment for a fan base that spent three seasons in some euphoric state. Uh, now we're back in the uh, back in the doldrums of just get me to October. Is it October yet? Kind of stuff. And yeah, the uh, yeah, it's nothing to look forward to because, like you said, like every time they like after they won that Boston game, I was like, this is great, but they're not going to win on Sunday. Mm. <laughs> like we, and we all knew it. Like I think you know the the, the fact that the team was like, uh, I think it was Matt Barzell who said uh, it was a playoff game. Like we we approached this game like a playoff game. I mean, you should have been doing that for yeah a month about- and a half because every game is a playoff game right now. <laughs> right. Every game since they came back from their second COVID break should have been treated like a playoff game. And it wasn't. And, yeah, the Boston game was, was you know, in a way, 
one of the more exciting wins of the season because they they played really well. They were they were playing the team that was directly in front of them, and the Bruins were without Brad Marchand. They're now forever without Tuukka Rask, and yeah, Patrice Bergeron was back. Um, but you know, they they put on a good show and they played a good hockey, solid hockey game against a good solid team, and they walked away with a four one win, and it was great. Um, but the game before that and the game after that are exactly why they were 17 points back of the Bruins going into that game. Um, the Sabres game last Tuesday was kind of a joke. I mean, this is a team that has been pretty much dead in the water for most of the season. They've traded their better, you know, their best player and they got a couple of good players back. But I mean, the Islanders made it really easy for them. Yeah. Okay. Kyle Palmieri had two goals which is great to see. Uh, he had a talk with Barry Trotz beforehand about kind of, you know, letting the first half of the season just go away and starting fresh. And he looked pretty good. So did started Anthony Bovillier, and you'll hear about him again in a little bit too. Um, but that they just didn't have much. I mean, Oposo opened the scoring, which is always a, a bad thing. They were absolutely terrible in the second period. Um, and then another thing that's happening this year that is hugely frustrating is they're giving up goals with as little time remaining on the clock as possible, particularly in the second period. So Alex Tuck made that, you know, scored a goal with 1.1 seconds left on the clock in the second period. And like, okay, Paul Mary tied it, but then they just sort of, the Sabres just sort of took over. And Victor Olofsson, a guy who hadn't scored in 30 games, he hadn't scored since October, since Halloween, scores the game-winning goal. And then they had two empty netters on top of that because why the hell not? And it's like, it was, to me, that game was more embarrassing than the Seattle game. Like, you know, this is a team that you could have beaten, you know them pretty well, and you let them basically run you out of their own building. And a guy, you know, Dustin Tokarski was the goalie. I don't know when he last started or how long he's been back in the NHL. And again, Olofsson scores in first and 30. Like, a little bit more effort, and you could have walked away with two points from this game. Nobody's asking you to make it pretty, but we don't want you to lose 6-3 to Buffalo. Like that's, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a very small thing. Don't lose six, three to Buffalo. And that's exactly what they did. And it's like, what are you talking? We don't need you to win six, three. We just need you to not lose six, three. And it's just, it, it, this to me was worse than the Seattle game. Like Seattle, I mean, in a way you can almost argue was like bound to at least have a game like that getting shut out by accident. But man, this game was just, it was hugely annoying. And it like really set the tone for the rest of my week, which really sucked. And, uh, I still can't, I'm still thinking about it now. With my, I'm looking at my notes, and I haven't. I mean, this game was a week ago, and I'm still like dumbfounded that that game actually happened the way that it did because it was it was awful. It was just terrible. Yeah, I think that was probably the the one that pissed everybody off the most because mm. this, yeah, like we said, the Seattle game was inexcusable, but there was an excuse at the end of it, like with the the, the schedule change, the fact that everyone was leaving for the All Star break the next day. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you know, yeah. like it's it's <laughs> you shouldn't still like it was in, like I said inexcusable but they did it and then to follow the, a week later to, to put together what what was a um it looked like the Buffalo Sabres were playing the Buffalo Sabres that <laughs> night which is terrible like because they, they both looked ter- like the Sabres they only looked good because the Islanders looked terrible uh yeah. and were making mistakes once again this whole um I don't know it's so contagious with the team that like if one guy starts to give the cough, the puck up a little bit or, or can't connect the pass, the whole team starts to do it. And um, it's the whole team seems to shut off and they're shutting off. Like you said, they're shutting off at the worst moments. The, uh, the, the last minute, last 10 second goal thing is just, it drives everybody nuts. Cause you could see it coming from a mile away. Right. Um, and you're like, just watching there's eight seconds left. The puck is in the corner on an Islander stick. And you know, <laughs> oh, I can't leave the couch because this puck has a decent non-zero chance of ending up in the back of the net, and it does. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then that was, um, yeah, I think th- th- a couple guys who ended up showing up to that game, like you said, Palmieri and, and Beauvillier, and uh, when the Islanders are getting four or five guys showing up a night uh, on some of these games. And uh, it it's, it's frustrating because if so, <laughs> you just kind of wish they would just come out and say, like, we're just we're just exhausted and spent from the last few seasons, and we're old and whatever. But then, of course, they'll never do that. But because we can all see it, and um, but the that that loss was so bad that it um, prompted the first 
closed door meeting since the yes. Capuano era. <laughs> uh, and then what do they do? They come out and they they beat the Bruins in a good way. Uh, they looked good. <laughs> they looked like the old Islanders. That that game actually reminded me a lot of um, game six against the Bruins because yeah. it was kind of like in the balance, but then the Islanders really stamped their authority on the game and, and ended up putting it beyond any reasonable doubt. Uh, and you're like, oh man, the closed door meeting kind of trope rears its ugly head again, except I feel like during the Scott Gordon and Jack Capuano and Doug Wade era, whenever there was a closed door meeting, what would end up happening was, you know, the Islanders would get their doors blown off by the Sabres back when they were good or um, the Rangers or whoever. Uh, and then they would play like the Flyers two days later. And Andrew McDonald would say something yeah. like, you know, yeah, we, we, we know like it's inexcusable what we've been doing. And then they'd come out and play like a good eight minutes, maybe get like a, a one, nothing goal lead over uh, Philadelphia or something. Uh, but then, they lose four one. Like they play like eight good minutes. But this was this was the first time I saw the closed door meeting where it was met with like a full sixty minute effort rather than that that eight that eight uh minute effort that ends up yeah with them going up one nothing on like a Jack Hillen goal or something. And uh, <laughs> now uh, the problem was they didn't consolidate it. Like yeah. and they haven't done that at all this season. What's their longest win streak been this season? Even like even they had that decent point streak in the before the wild game. Yeah, um, that started everything. That that was like literally they the gateway like, to hell. Was it five, and then six since then, or six or seven or something like that. Yeah, like, but I think, since yeah. then, I don't know if they've won. They've won three in a row, I think, once. Mm. Um, yeah, this maybe. was a, this was this was a team that even like during that losing streak, everyone was like, "Well, this is a team that can rattle off wins mm. at, at a clip like like that." Like you close your eyes, and the Islanders are have won eleven of twelve, and they've gone or they've gone like eleven one on one. Hmm. not this islanders <laughs> no no not these guys at all and yeah it's, it's everything you said yeah barzell said that they had a long talk after that game and and yeah it showed in the bruins game like you said it, they they they're a little sag sort of in the middle of the or from the end of the second first period the bruins had a power play that seemed to really suck all the momentum out of the islanders and then taylor hall scored a, a few minutes later through a not really great goal on sorokin we'll talk about him again in a little bit um, but they were generally the better team throughout the entire game. And uh, Noah Dobson, again, one of the few guys who've really shown up this season and basically every game scored. And and Barzell had a beautiful goal and set up by, by Kiefer Bellows. And uh, it was great. I mean, it was it was a good game. And, and they deserve credit for playing that game. But then to come out again in the next game against a team that has already fired their coach has, you know, I love the thing that cracks me up about Canadians fans is that, like, they're among the, the first people to like look at your team's roster and be like, who are these guys? I've never heard of any of these guys. Meanwhile, their team is like literally 25 American guys who are all named Jake. Like, I don't understand how this is the Montreal Canadiens. Like, where where are all the geese? Where are all the, the jocks? There are none of those guys. Everybody here is named Jake and Cole and Jake. Like, I don't get it. It's for, no offense to any Jakes out there, but like, <laughs> it's I'm looking at this roster. I'm like, who are these guys? Like, I don't understand. And of course, the the cherry on top of all that is Andrew Hammond, who you may remember from your history textbooks as the guy who led the Ottawa Senators on a run to the playoffs one year, uh, and people threw hamburgers at him on the ice. Hadn't played in the NHL in four years, and you knew, like you said, I mean, you knew that they were gonna they were gonna win that game. Like there was no way that he wasn't gonna win that game, and they weren't gonna win the game. And yeah, the Islanders got it to overtime. Uh, you know, Nelson again, one of the few guys who's really been effective in every game scored a tie late Palmieri had another goal which was which is great to see I'm, I mean I'm glad he's doing well like there's a still a chance Palmieri ends up with 20 goals this year like that's great but didn't help <laughs> we, it's not gonna erase the fact that he was completely invisible in the first half of the season but again you know Palmieri ties the game and a minute and a half before the second period ends Josh Anderson scores with a minute and a half to go like what like come on really and uh he was, that was a really, that was, I mean, it's a beautiful goal by Josh Anderson, but like, come on. He's like, literally standing there by himself and he just picked the top corner and it's in. And, and, you know, that's the kind of goal that leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth going into the, the intermission. They come out, didn't play particularly well in the third period, but Nelson got a, a cool pass from Bellows and, and he was on a little kind of, you know, stretch and, and he shot and he scored. It was a beautiful goal. They go to overtime. The Islanders had the puck a lot in overtime. They didn't really do much with it. Pajot had a chance and that was really it. Like, I don't remember Hammond really making any saves. And then the shootout, Beauvillier started. He had a goal. Great. And then Sorokin looked completely lost in both 
goals for the Canadians, and that was over. And it was a shootout loss. It was a two-one shootout loss to oh no, excuse me, a three-two shootout loss to the last place Montreal Canadiens and their army of Joshes and Jakes and and Coles. <laughs> and it's oh now they got to get on a plane and go out to Seattle of all places. And like you said, I mean, I think you know we could all reasonably say that this season now is done. Like it's, you know, yeah. Okay. Their, their, their final spot in the, in the standings is still up for grabs. I still think they're better than flyers and the blue jackets and devils. Let's just put it that way. But I mean, ultimately this is not going to be a playoff year. And after the last three, that's hugely disappointing. And with that, with the, you know, the, the expectations coming in, that is hugely disappointing. And there's so many reasons for this that, you know, we've been going on all, about all this time. But still, it's just to watch it happen in such a slow way is really excruciating. I mean, there's still like <laughs> – how many games are left? There's 37, like, 38. Yeah, dude, really? And, and, and March and April are packed to the gills with games. Yep. Like, So we're going to have to endure this like four nights a week, every week through April. And then we have to watch you know, the Rangers and the Penguins and the Hurricanes and whoever else in the playoffs because the Islanders aren't going to be there. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really disappointing. It really sucks. It sucks. And it sucks in, in, a, in like a way that um, like the teams like Buffalo or New Jersey, um, Columbus, Philadelphia, whoever, not really Philadelphia. They're kind of in, a, I guess, a similar boat <laughs> to us. But, uh, you know, the teams that came into the season with low expectations had this, uh, you know, you knew they'd probably be out of it at this point. And uh, they can you can still be engaged as a fan. Uh, um at this point of the season with them because you're watching a young roster and you're thinking about the future and, and you know, you can kind of like attach yourselves to those narratives, but the Islanders have just are such an odd, and we'll talk about this when we look ahead towards the de- deadline and stuff like they're in such an odd predicament because their window is open. <laughs> mm. uh, if you could still believe it, but um, in the, and like you said, the expectations were so high. This was supposed to be one of the best teams in the league. Uh, coming into the season, the whole entire league, like mm. uh, they were the favorite to win the division by the bookmakers, the favorite to win the division that has Carolina and Pittsburgh and the Rangers in it, <laughs> the Islanders. And um, yeah, the fact that there's, there's like two different things, right? You can excuse the way the Islanders started the season. I think, I think we all know that like, and, and a lot of people have excused them with the uh, yeah, road trip, COVID stuff, yeah. the road trip, the injuries, yeah. uh, everything that's totally fair what you can excuse is that fact that they didn't pick themselves up afterwards it was it was almost like the team was um you know waiting for themselves to like you get into a uh like almost like a bad habit of oh you know like we'll kick the can down the road and when you know ryan pollock and brock nelson come back to the roster then then we'll really try it's it's like they're they're almost like procrastinating doing a chore (laughs) <laughs> uh, around the house it felt like and and they just then then you're like watching your your laundry pile just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and by the time you have to do it you're like no nah, like you might as well just throw it away like <laughs> or burn right. it or something yeah. right? like and that's the point of the season the islanders are at um and it's it's incredibly frustrating because there was there is uh, so much to like about this team you can't say it was because it really is still um and i think that was really exemplified uh, in the uh Montreal game there's a little vignette about how Josh Bailey's kid uh went up to brush his teeth or was told to go to bed to brush his teeth because Bailey had a had a buzz cut I guess is the way to start it right so he's doing the intermission and he's got a new haircut and everyone's like what you know I've never seen Josh Bailey with a buzz cut so Shannon Hogan finds out the story is that his kid went up to brush his teeth but got his hands on uh his buzzer and his, I'm sure his Lou Lamarillo issue, issued razor or something and uh, <laughs> shaved like a chunk of his hair out. So ah. Bailey shaved his head because he had to shave his kid's head so he can go mm. to school with like a, a appropriate haircut. Um, because <laughs> Lou, not only does Lou make sure that the players are clean shaven and, and well kempt, uh, but their kids also have to be for, for preschool. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, a kind uh, but, of thorough general manager yeah, exactly. that Lou Lamarillo is. Um, but he uh, so barely shaved his head, and I guess Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Sezikis found out, and so they shaved their head too. So it was like this whole kind of cute thing, and it's a type of story like that really makes you like these guys because they are incredibly tight. Like, think about how long these guys have been playing together. If you list them out, uh, there's three I think players that have been here um, that are <clears throat> that are like regular players that have been here for 
less than uh, a calendar year at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I, I guess Palmieri is like right on the, the cusp, but like yeah. there's something like that. And you can go back, you can like Brock Nelson and Anders Lee and Josh Bailey and Kyle Clutterbuck and Casey Zizekas and Matt Martin have been teammates forever. And they've been teammates with, uh, you know, Matt Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier since they've gotten into the league. And they've right. been teammates with Noah Dobson since he's gotten in the league. They've been Scott Mayfield too, like Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock. These, this, it's, it's, it's truly remarkable that this team, like how little turnover there's been and, and how these, this, this group has come together um, but to see it now just come unglued like this and those, uh, those kind of cute stories that make you feel good. Cause that's what's, you know, rooting for teams about like, there's supposed to be this connection and there is, and it really does. Like you, you look at other teams in the league and the way they're constructed, it's the Islanders aren't mercenarial at all. Like there, mm-hmm. this is not a team of mercenaries. There's not a team of, uh, guys from big free agent contracts or lo- who guys who loopholed their way to the team or anything like this team truly did go on this incredible journey together uh and this is now probably where it ends and uh the for the better of the franchise should end like there's i was talking to uh desmond from the through the island podcast and he brought up a good point which is the island the window for this team is probably shut but the window for the islanders is not like there's there's two very distinct things there right to talk about uh, because this team, just a little couple fixes along the edges, um, will fix it. And uh, when you think about what those fixes are and the human beings mm-hmm. that uh, are now not going to be wearing the Islander jersey, if 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 they are made, those changes, like it, it really is sad because it does kind of change the entire team uh, itself. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's going to be really sad, like when when these decisions have to be made, and the reason they have to be made is not because of a 13-game road trip to start the season or because of the COVID <laughs> outbreak. It's because the Islanders didn't play well enough and didn't earn the right to keep the gang together for another kick at the can, this, this particular gang together for another kick at the can. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, wholly depressing. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. And, and you know, we could sit here and talk about, like, well, I mean, this season will, will end without the playoffs. But then, you know, look ahead to next season. But, like, what does that even mean? Like, who's even going to be here? I mean, there's a – there's a trade deadline in about a month from now. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, the same team could be together. I, I could totally see a scenario in which the Islanders don't make any moves and just kind of stand pat and figure their their stuff out in the summertime. But maybe some dudes get moved. We're going to talk about some of that coming up. Like the sort of, not so much the the individual pieces that can move, but like what that means, you know, for the for the franchise going forward. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, this is a weird crossroads for this team. It's not just about one bad season. It's like, how do we right. say, okay, wh- where do we go now? But like, who's coming with us <laughs> and right. what do we need to fix? Like what, like you said, what, what are the fixes? I don't, I, I agree with you. Like, and I agree with Desmond too. Like the, the, the window is open. Like the fact that I, I think it's also getting lost a little bit too, that like the Islanders have things now that they did not have before. They have a stable arena situation. They have a stable coaching situation. They have a stable, sort of core of guys that are pretty good. Um, you know, the biggest yeah, problem the, for them the, the goal they, too, right? You think about like, yeah, you're signing, well, like, you, you, you sign someone, they're not coming to play in front of Jaroslav Halak and Thomas Grice or <laughs> Dwayne Rollison and Marty Biron. Like that, I think that does matter. Like this is a team that yeah. you, you have a, uh, like you said, like the, the foundational elements of a team. Yeah. There. For the first right. time. Defense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, so, and so, and so that's good. Like, that's good. And that, that's what I think, you know, we're getting to is like the, the windows open, but let's talk about Sorokin real quick. Cause he's quite frankly, not had the best season and, or the best at least stretch. He was great. He was lights out for the first half of the season. And now you're starting to see the cracks a little bit. And Kevin Kurz wrote a thing at the athletic and you know, the, the title is a little bit provocative. I, I don't know if there's really an answer and certainly nobody at the team is going to say, it. he's definitely not going to say it in either English or Russian for sure. But like, <laughs> I think there is definitely a case to be made that maybe, you know, Sorokin is kind of wilting a little bit under the grind. You know, I don't think they expected him to play this many games. Um, uh, Simeon Varlamov's season has not been that well. He's played better for sure, but he's been hurt. And then he was stuck in Canada just now for a while. Like when he, he, he came back early in the season, didn't play that well, got better. Then he got stuck in, in Canada under the COVID protocol. I guess he's back now. We don't know when we're going to see him again. And so – Thank God that Ilya's been there to play, but you know these these goals with just 
you know, seconds left on the clock before the second period's over. And there's some other ones too, that are just like leaky. Like again, the, the, the goal that Taylor Hall scored, I know he's Taylor Hall, but like kind of snuck through him a little bit. There was one in the Sabres game uh, where it's it kind of snuck through on the short side, I think too. Um, you know, the Anderson goal, what are you going to do? Like, but at the same time, that top corner was kind of open and he just sort of picked it and went for it. And, and he was completely lost in the shootout. So, I mean, I think ultimately his his career, you know, this isn't like indicative of what his career is going to be like, but boy, it's it's been a rough go for him lately. And I think, you know, more than anybody, he's, you know, he's kind of feeling feeling the grind here too of, of a really long season. And he's also not getting really the, I think, the help that, that Islanders goalies are kind of known to be getting. Like they're not limiting these high danger chances. They're not limiting shots against. And it's really, it's really been brutal. And, and it, it does worry me a little bit. I think more than anybody's psyche, his worries me the most, I should say. Like, how is he taking all of this? Like, I have a feeling that, like, Barzell and Lee and Nelson, those guys, like, they know what this is. They know they can come back next year, and they know what they need to do. With with Sorokin, I hope he's okay. <laughs> like, I really do. I don't know what they're telling him or, or how he's going to get out of this, but I just hope that, you know, he, he's mentally in a good place that he knows he can, you know, get better from him. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple things here, like, First of all, his his experience in the NHL to start his career has been extremely unique um, <laughs> because he played the yeah he comes over sits in the bubble watches the team in, in a bubble in Edmonton doesn't know a lick of English then he plays the all interdivisional schedule where he <laughs> uh, is the backup mm. plays very well like you said every other game at most. Um, and then has an incredible playoff series against the Penguins, comes out for the Bruins and uh, Lightning series. Uh, it's just like a very, very strange uh, pandemic influence start. And I think a lot of that, what that did was it prevented him. He, he never had a season where he traveled to Calgary and played in the, against the Flames. And then two days later was playing against Vancouver or two days before was playing against Vancouver. And, uh, you there's there's definitely some starts you can draw lines through like the the flame start for sure you can definitely be like yeah he wasn't great but he wasn't supposed to start that game and was found out he was starting in the warm-ups or after the warm-ups because of the covid test from varlamov and you know that could just throw him off completely from uh you know a, a, a position that's all about rhythm mm. you you can look at a guy's form dip because of stuff like that. Like, I mean, you can look at what's going on with Jack Campbell in the Leafs or with the Leafs. He was playing really well. Uh, the, the league shuts down and he like completely lost and he's been struggling lately. And that's just how goalies are. Like there's very few goalies that are just going to play in through a straight line through the entire season. Mm. It doesn't help that a bunch of them are in the division with uh, <laughs> Igor, Freddie Anderson and Tristan Jarry all having great seasons. Uh, Bobrovsky in Florida and obviously Vasilevsky, like he's in a different level. Mm. Um, but the, the what he showed what Sorokin showed us from October through mid January I think he we we talked about last episode like he was the clear cut MVP of this team for the first thirty odd games I guess for sure. and since the season has truly gone off the rails he's struggled and uh, I can't I, I don't want to find like I I love him and I, maybe that's you know I'm looking through everything with Sorokin colored glasses like I really. <laughs> He's, he's just incredible to me. I think he's one, one of already like one of my favorite athletes ever, just cause he's so, he's such a unique kind of guy, it seems. Um, but what, I think what he's shown us the good uh, is there's so much good there that like you can kind of take a deep breath and think like every goalie for, for the most part will go through unless they're winning the Vezina are going to go through stretches like this. And, and there's definitely some excuses you can make for, for this one, considering what's going on, but going on with uh his uh, comrade Varlamov uh, all mm. season. So uh, I think this, the end of the season surely is, is very important for him. And uh, that's definitely one of the, if, if you are looking for reasons to stay engaged, like you're watching him and um, making sure that he can bounce back. Cause I think the funny thing about him is he's, he is giving up soft goals right now. Like he'll give up one softie a game, but he's before that, like the only goals that were beating him were these weird deflections. Like, off of mm. Andy Green's skate, Noah Dobson's midsection, yeah. <laughs> Alex Tuck waving his stick at almost shoulder level mm. uh, before this off the goal. But like, there's 
a lot of those weird goals are beating him and they seem they seem they seem to compound uh over like a two week stretch where these they like everything was weird any any weird bounce ended up in the back mm-hmm. of the net i would say and um but i th- i think this stretch of getting farlamov back in the mix is going to be really important uh and we'll see but i i'm i'm really confident that that the, his talent level is super high uh that or so high that he'll he'll find a way to to be a, a truly uh top level goaltender next season the season beyond that and too but it does definitely give me more reservations about mm. the possibility of Varlamov moving um, at the deadline or at the draft or whenever. So uh, that's definitely, I think that his his wobble here is, has shown the true value of someone like having someone like Varlamov yeah. on the team, even at a five million dollar cap hit for a thirty five year old goalie who's having a down downish season with with injuries. Um, he still probably is a pretty important piece to this team because of uh, Sorokin and, and what we've yeah. seen in the past couple of weeks. God, there's just so many layers to this season. And 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 so many, like each player has multiple layers <laughs> how yeah. this season's gone. And Varlamov is right at the top of the list. Like, you know, again, he, he was injured. They, you know, he, he couldn't go on the road trip. And then he came back and he struggled for a couple of weeks, but then he, he kind of started turning it around. And then as soon as he got kind of into a rhythm, they got stopped again and they came back and then they went on this road trip and then he randomly just, you know, gets tested positive for COVID while they're in Canada and he can't play. And so now he gets stuck there. Uh, and now it's all, and you know, now it's like, okay, well we're coming up to the trade deadline. Could they trade him? I guess. But then how does that affect Sorokin? And, oh man, it's like, it's almost too much to even think about. It. Yeah, it's, it's, and <laughs> like it's, it's, it's been incredibly weird the way the Islanders have been. I mean, it's, it's always, we talk about it a lot on the show, like, how they're covered by the mainstream media and, and people outside the bubble because mm. they're largely ignored and they're usually it's very surface level stuff that 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 is covered with the Islanders. Um, this year, it's going to be even weirder because of like you said, yeah. the layers are just so complicated. It's been such a complicated season for everybody involved that um, when I've been reading you know stuff about trade deadline and whether when Varlamov's name gets pop, brought up, it's almost like he, he he's he, his he's being viewed as like a nuisance to the Islanders. Like they got to find a way to get out of the Varlamov (laughs) problem. Like, I don't really know if you guys understand what is going on here and what this guy just did (laughs) last year and the year before that too. Like he's, he's money. He's like, can be a very money reliable goalie. And, but it's the same with, you know, even like Kevin Kurz's article, when he was kind of talking about the, um, the Islanders trade deadline, kind of look ahead uh, five weeks out. He's like bringing up some like really some stuff that I think if he was around longer, it, it, he wouldn't even given a second thought to like, like Kyle Palmieri, like yeah, no one's taking Kyle yeah. Palmieri's contract right now, considering it's season. Nobody's taking uh, Josh Bailey. Like these, these guys aren't the guys we should be talking about right now. Yeah. The guys we should be talking about are the Varlamovs and they should be talking. We should be talking about him very differently from his, him being a cap nuisance. than right. he's a potential number one goalie for a playoff team. Like there, there are very there are a couple of playoff teams that would probably be like, yeah, well, we'd much rather have that guy than our starter right now. Yeah. Weird season, notwithstanding, and same goes with like you know Scott Mayfield. Like Ben Sherratt's name is being thrown out with abandon, and he's like a guaranteed to to bring back a first round pick and a prospect. It seems like the way people are talking about him. Like, mm. Scott Mayfield is, has an amazing contract for next season, one point five million dollar cap cap hit. Like he, if Ben Sherratt is commanding that, like he. Yeah. we're going to get like the Eichel return for Scott Mayfield. It's like, <laughs> like nobody, the, the way that people are covering the Islanders is it's like, it's not, that's not how they're covering it. They're covering right. it in a very different way. And I guess a lot of that is, is the uh, kind of PR strategy of, of Lou Lamarillo and, and like keeping everything in a cone of silence. So it's hard to kind of figure out where the Islanders are landing on this stuff, but it is just like, it's incredibly frustrating because we're already frustrated as a fan base when you read this stuff and you're like no you're completely missing the point here like uh, on these guys this isn't this is not how things are setting up at all um so it's gonna be a a really annoying couple of months i mean completely missing the point is how most people cover the islanders unfortunately (laughs) and and it's starting to get annoying and and we'll talk about another annoying aspect of it in the, the next half but uh yeah yeah i mean uh let's pause here and then we'll come back and we'll talk about 
the trade deadline and, and who really could could end up going and, and what it could mean and, and how it all plays into this incredibly strange uh, season. So please come back uh, with us uh, in a few minutes. Thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor T-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, that is VintageIceHockey.com. I don't think the discount code is working yet, but uh, when it does, we'll let you know. But uh, check it out today. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play Big Pick for free from anywhere in the U.S. or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Check the link in the podcast description to join. You must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shop and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. So, uh, yeah, trade deadline coming up. Uh, you know, we're probably going to talk about this for the next <laughs> couple episodes in a row at least. But, um, yeah, it is, you know, just picking up right where we left off. Like, yeah, it is a little bit weird that, you know, people are looking at the Islanders roster in, in kind of an odd way with the trade deadline coming up and normally the first guy you think about is like okay well who can they get rid of that they don't want anymore that's coming off the books or whatever and like the Islanders don't have a lot of those guys really Cal Clutterbuck is the only real notable UFA yeah there's Zidane Chara. yeah there's Zach Parisi I don't think anybody's going to want either of those guys right now honestly I think Parisi is going to resign like I think he'll sign an extension at some point um you know Chara if anybody's been watching Chara this at any point this season I don't see anything he's going to bring anybody. Yeah, okay, fine. He can, I guess, kill penalties, I guess, is the way they're saying it. But, like, you know, earlier in the season, I would have said, all right, well, if they don't want him, they could trade him to the Bruins maybe or, you know, some some other playoff team for, like, a, you know, uh, insurance in the playoffs. I guess that's still possible. But, again, with the way he's played, I, I can't really see it happening. And also, we're about two days from him breaking Chris Chelios' record for most games played by a defenseman. It will be sort of cool to see him do that in an Islanders jersey. I highly doubt that he would want to do that in an Islanders jersey and then, you know, finish the season with somebody else, I guess. So I doubt that either of those two things happen. And then you've got Clutterbuck, who um, is an interesting piece. He's having a pretty good season. He's 35. He's a UFA. Again, I I see him coming back. And I, I don't know if I'm not saying that in a way of like, oh, they could trade him and he could always sign again. I just think he's going to resign. I just don't see him. Larry Brooks sort of thing today about like how it's fantasy land to think about, but boy, could the Rangers use a Cal Clutterbuck. And you know what? He's probably right. I can't see that happening. I can't see Lou Lamorello doing it. I can't see Clutterbuck agreeing to do it. I can't see the Rangers wanting to do it. And I just, I don't know. We talked a couple weeks ago about him. I could see him playing for the lightning or something like that. Maybe I guess, but I don't know. I still see him coming back. And then there's Varlamov, who, like you said, I, I just, you know, could he help out a team? Absolutely. More so than the other three guys. Uh, Mike Smith, by the way, got lit up again last night for the Oilers. <laughs> I think he let up like four goals on five shots or something like that. So, I mean, that's a possibility for them. But, again, how does that affect Sorokin? How does that affect, you know, the fact that the Islanders, yeah, okay, Jacob Scarrick seems to be having a pretty good season in Bridgeport after a rough beginning, and that's great. But, like, that's it. Like, I don't know. Carter Hutton was on waivers the other day, and I was like, boy, wouldn't it be something if the Islanders, like, picked him up and then used him to, you know, trade Varlamov somewhere? But, nope, they didn't. So, so I don't know. And then, then what you're left with is guys that maybe aren't on the trading 
that you wouldn't think are on the trading block but could bring back the highest return. Mayfield is one guy, playoff experience. Scott Playoff Scott Mayfield is really kind of interesting, and maybe that you know makes sense for somebody, but I just to me that would really bother me after giving up Devon Taves, giving up uh, uh, you know a bunch of other guys over uh, Nick Letty. They can't really afford to lose any more of these guys, and I guess they could you know maybe one of the guys in Bridgeport plays well, but I mean Salo and Ajo, I don't think have really taken that leap yet. Salo's been pretty good, but I, don't know, I can't really see it. Does it mean Anthony Beauvillier? I don't know. I mean, he's another guy who might make sense. So and again, I agree with you. I don't think Bailey or Palmieri are really going anywhere. So <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. To me, it would not surprise me in the slightest if we throw all this stuff around at the end of the day on the trade deadline, the Islanders have done absolutely yeah. <laughs> It would not surprise yeah. me in the slightest. Yeah, it's either, it, I think this is the, the, the question and, and we don't have the answer. Nobody's going to have the answers because of the way the team is run. So you can take any tweet you ever see with you know so <laughs> sources in the, yeah sources so and also like <laughs> here's the scouting list of people who are in the building yeah. uh you know that that stuff is, is nobody's gonna know anything right. um but I, but we what we do know is there's there's two different directions the islanders can take right and it's the one that you the latter of what you just said which is like yeah they tr- they trade richard panic for like a future considerations yeah. for a team that just wants to put him in the ahl and keep him as like a black ace 16th forward for a war of attrition if they're in the playoffs right uh or there's the other the other path which is do you cash in on scott mayfield whose value is never going to be higher than it is right now because of the way he played in the playoffs last year because he's having a decent season as a first pair defenseman with adam pellick um and his playoff experience like do you cash in on him um at this time and and truly sell you know the, the business practice of selling at an asset and I hate this is why I've loved this team so much is that we always talk about sports as a business, but this team has really kind of taken that out of things, right? Because of this type of stuff that I was talking about earlier with Bailey and because uh, he's Zeke and stuff. This is, this is like they're the Islanders act as a, as a group much more akin to like a high school team of like guys who just like being around each other, who are friends, who hang out afterwards, who go to like, you know, pasta parties before the game and stuff like that. Like, um, uh, much more akin to that than a team that's like, oh, you know, we're going on the the the, the, the Western Canada trip is for us. It's a business trip. It's a business trip. Like, no, it's the Islanders are much different um, and have been with this core um, since since it started. So uh, that's but that's that's what makes this this other path so hard to swallow is do you then just be the ruthless business kind of type that the Islanders haven't been and sell high on someone like Scott Mayfield right now? And, uh mm. I think there's a good argument for both sides, right? Like there's definitely the emotional attachment to Mayfield and the fact that he he can contribute next year for the Islanders and play a big part at a good salary uh, cap hit. So, but there's also a great argument to be made that you trade him and you infuse this team with a good young forward and a draft pick, a high end draft pick, because you don't trade him unless you're getting a first round pick and a, you right. Know, the, oh yeah. The, no, old, the, the Jeff Marrick saying of oh yeah, who what 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 do they want in return for for name your player uh, mm. first round pick uh, NHL like a young NHL forward and a prospect like that that kind of package. The Islanders. Mm. <laughs> when is the last time, by the way, the Islanders have had uh, have done that? Like yeah. you, you, they go back go back to deadlines even before they were good. They. Mm. Like when's the was it the Mark Parrish Brent Sopel trade when they got Jeff Tambellini and Dennis Grabeshkov? Like when's the last time they they were able to cash in on somebody like that? I, I honestly I mean, can't if, remember. If Camp you went Poli- back, and, I oh I mean maybe I don't even know. But that was but like, that was that was a first in Dean McAmmond. Yeah, how many firsts have they ever even gotten in any of these right? Trades? Like it's, but, yeah, it's like you said. It's to me you call it the Jeff Merrick, I call it the Pierre LeBron because that's what he always is always talking about that. I think it's just like to say something, basically, because then we all know what's going to happen. They're going to trade a second round pick and Dominic Moore. Like it's going to end there, and who, of course, retired like five years ago, but it's still right. be Dominic Moore somehow. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, David Clarkson's contract somehow yeah. ends up on the right. Yeah, it's a, yeah, like a dead cap hit from somebody. It's, it's, and it's the same thing with Beauvillier, too. I think, like, yeah. first of all, he's had an, an up and down season as well. I think there's the, uh, you know, the path with Beauvillier similar with Mayfield, whereas, Look, Scott Mayfield and Anthony Beauvillier, they're not dynamic players, but they're very effective. They like there's a difference between being great and being effective. Matt Barzell is a true uh, talent, great player. Whereas Beauvillier and Mayfield are much they're they're effective. And 
um, if you wanted to trade them, the return just has to knock you off your socks. And if it does, then it's a true, like a really interesting conversation to have because of the direction of the team uh, with is a team that needs to get younger next year. They need to infuse the, the top six, especially on the wings with more talent. And uh, they could definitely use for some uh, younger depth coming through basically in every position. I mean, which team can't, but um, if, if you can, if you can do that, the only players you can really do that with are Mayfield and Beauvillier. But at the same time, it would break my heart yeah. to see, I mean, a Beauvillier especially, but like Mayfield too, like it would really break my heart to, to, to see them do that uh, because it does change. And it would break my heart even to see Cl- like Clutterbuck. And, and I've actually, I, I've said that I think that the Islanders can get a second round pick for Clutterbuck. And I, and I do stand by that, like, because there's a difference between what a player is truly worth. Like when you look at a num like a numbers thing, like Cal Clutterbuck's as, as on paper is probably akin to what a fourth round pick for a playoff team or something. But what, what you can get for him at the trade deadline is different from that because teams will overpay. Every team would be involved in Cal Clutterbuck because no team couldn't use him. uh, Couldn't not use him, I guess uh, in the playoffs, right? He's a penalty killer, fourth line, effective fourth line, four checker, great defensively. um, And he can score, you know, three goals. If you go on a playoff run, he can contribute. Um, And he can also get under the skin of the opponents. And he's a very, he's the type of teammate that everyone loves to play with. Like you use all that, you package all that together. Teams will get into a bidding war for him. And I think you can sneak out of there with a second round pick. Um, so it's the same thing. Like if, if you get these good offers for these three players, mm. uh, you know, it would crush everybody. I think like, can you imagine Cal Clutterbuck getting traded? It would, I mean, I would spend all day in bed. <laughs> it would suck. And, and Bo, and Bo too, for that matter. Yeah. And like Bo, too. Oh like, you know, it would, and and you know, because Beauvillier too, in particular, is he's still so young. Like he started yeah. when he was eighteen. Like what is he? He's not even twenty four now, right? Or he was he used 20? to wear number seventy two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I think that's the thing. Like when we talk about, um, you know, they should trade. Like nobody wants to see these guys trade, but a season like this kind of forces your hand and it makes you reevaluate what you have. And you know, I don't think Lou Lamarello wants to trade these guys either. You know, and that's actually that's funny thing. You know, I want to bring this up before, but like you know, they're going to play Colorado in a couple of weeks, and you know, the with the Islanders. You know, it's, the the worst thing about this season happening is that it it makes people who already don't give a shit about the Islanders completely throw the last three seasons into the garbage as if they didn't happen. It's like no, they happened, and this team just fell apart. You know, for whatever reasons A through Z, basically, and it's bringing up the sort of Devon Taves you know, uh, uh, analysis again, and it drives me crazy. Is there another, is there another like team that, that something like that is brought up incessantly? No. Like, like that trade happened a a year, a season ago, over a season and a half ago before last season, when they made it to the conference finals, like did the teams still bring up the fact that the, the lightning traded someone or the the Mm, Knights traded or the Knights? I don't even know. Like, it's, it's, nobody mentions how like Chicago traded Artemi Panarin to the Blue Jackets for Brandon Saad, a guy who they already had, and then he walked away and became a Ranger. Like nobody brings this up. Right? Like, what would the Blackhawks be right now with Panarin and Kane still? Like they'd be pretty good, <laughs> like as opposed to whatever they are now. But like yeah. this comes up all the time. And if you go back and read, and again, this is the context you're talking about before. Lou Lamarillo didn't want to make that trade. Like I think I think he wanted to trade Nick Letty two years ago. And he didn't. He still had two years on the con, on his contract. It's still five million dollars. He couldn't find any takers, and so he got. You know, he had to get make room to sign other guys, and that was unfortunately all he could do. And he got two second round picks for him. And that's not a trade that he wanted to make. And I'm not saying here that it was a good thing to do. I would much rather have Devontae on the team right now. It sucks. It's, it totally sucks. But sometimes you're kind of forced into these situations because of your own making, and you got to make the best of it. And that's mm-hmm. just how it how it happened. And now they have to make the best of this, basically. And just um, another one thing real quick that bothers me about Taves is he plays for the Avalanche. Like yes. if he's if he was traded to Arizona or Vancouver yeah, or somewhere, he's not yeah. playing, he's not gonna be doing this well. He's a great player, great skater, but he plays in the perfect system for his skill set with right. an incredible partner with some of the most talent the most talented roster in the league, probably bar none. Like mm, right. of course it was gonna work out for him this way and good like 
it sucks. Like I think it was a, everybody on in the Islander fan base would go back and if they had the option and, and we could vote it to not happen, we would have voted for it to not happen. But it's it's the this team isn't bad this season because they traded away Devon Taves. It's it's a yeah. part of the puzzle, sure. But the fact that everybody league wide in the media brings that trade up somehow. Yeah. Uh, when they couldn't name you know who Scott Nayfield was before he cross checked Nikita Kucherov last year. <laughs> it just it, it blows my mind. And and it's the same people who if Taves was an Islander still and was having the same exact season he's having now, would never talk about the Right. Because they could say all these things about Adam Pellick and they don't. Like they just don't. They're right. just like, oh yeah, he's one of the better defensemen in the league. Okay, well that's great. Well where's his where are his laurels and, and his roses that are going to But it but my point is that you know th- these it's not just a clear case of like, well, they got rid of this guy because they didn't want him anymore. Like they got rid of him. They had to get rid of him because they had to sign all these other guys. They had to sign Matt Barzell. They had to sign Beauvillier. Now they're at a point where maybe trading one of those guys brings back, like you said, something a lot more that, you know, for the future as opposed to now. And it would suck. And it still sucks. Like it sucks every time, you know, Taves comes up and it would suck if they traded Beauvillier to, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Montreal or something like that, or Ottawa, you know, a team where he would be the super big French-Canadian star and, you know, would, would make hay there. Like, it would suck. But if the Islanders got a first-round pick out of it and a pretty high prospect, well, you know what? Maybe it'll suck a little bit less in a little bit. So, I don't know. And I think that second-round pick that they used, that they got for Taves, that wasn't Ratty, was it? Maybe it was. No, that was they, the uh, Nick Letty one. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah. so there you go, you know, like, yeah. So... Um, you know, there's a lot, again, there's so many layers, like there's just so many layers to the season that are good and bad. And you could take away one thing, but it just leads you down another path. And so, um, I don't know. I don't know. And part of me doesn't want them to make any moves, but then let's say they don't make any moves. Then you're stuck with this same really underwhelming team for another, you know, four weeks after the season, after the trade deadline. And it's like, okay, well now, because again, they don't have a lot coming off the book. Well, I shouldn't say that. They have a pretty sizable chunk coming off the books. With Clutterbuck, again, even if Clutterbuck resigns, I think he's going to get like the Matt Martin, you know, million and a half or whatever, which would save shave two million off of their cap hit. You know, Char is not coming back. Again, even if Parisi comes back, it's probably for the minimum. Uh, and so, where do they go from there? I don't know. There are there any like notable UFAs this year? Not really. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's like a, a discouraging list of players. Yeah. So, like, what does that even mean? And how do they get better? And they don't have a lot coming up from the minors. They don't have, you know, the, hopefully maybe, you know, Sallow or whatever takes them to a step. But it, it's – there's – the fixes are out there. They just need to be found. And, again, it's funny because it, it sounds like I'm saying this team is dead in the water. They're not. Like, the fact that they've had the last two seasons has shown the roster what they need to do to compete. They just need to find a little bit of new blood to get them back to where they were and continue on that path. And I think they can. Again, we said last week, like there are even in these irritating losses, there are shadows there of what they were. And the Bruins game was a good example of like they can play that style again, but they're just gassed. They need yeah. they need themselves to recharge, but I think they also need an infusion of new talent to get them back there. Now who are those guys? And I don't know. But they'll have to find them and, and figure it out. And if they don't, well then that window is going to close <laughs> pretty yeah. fast, unfortunately. And and I think th- for the people talking about a complete rebuild here, you have to remember a couple of important things. Yes, it's, it's not going <laughs> to happen because of the way the roster is constructed. Right. First of all, and even if they considered it, it can't happen because they need to extend Matt Barzell after next yes. season, and they need to extend. Uh, you know, I think Wallstrom is a RFA after next season, and Noah Dobson yeah. this summer is an R. Like, why would they commit themselves to a, a an Islander friendly deal if? Yeah if that's the case. So I think we can talk about as much as we want, like the paths that they can take um, here, but like the one path that they will not take is just doing their best to tear it down completely, which like, I don't even know how you could do it. Cause that would mean like, okay, if you're going to do that, like you're looking at <laughs> shipping mm-hmm. out like Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick at some right. point, you know, it's like you, you literally have to trade everybody uh, to get this thing restarted in, in that kind of fashion. And, um, as we've seen, uh, those rebuilds never go to plan. And no, so you no. can, let's, uh, it's, it does say a lot that the Islanders most successful era since the Al Arbor days 
did not come from the fruition of a rebuild. Mm. It came because they put in a good coach and the team galvanized itself and players like Brock Nelson and, uh, you know, and Anders Lee or whatever, like they came along, but it wasn't, this wasn't, it wasn't because of a rebuild. They, they lost their best player. <laughs> it, was, it was in the ashes of a failed rebuild. Right. That exactly. They, like, they rose like a Phoenix to, uh, cr- yeah. So yeah. like, it's, it's, that's not going to be that ha- what happens. And it, that would be the, the one path that I couldn't ever sign off on. And yeah, uh, no, the guys in charge obviously won't do it. These, uh, this, this regime is never going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, and, and and if there's a new regime in place, that comes from the owner who would have then found out. But I, again, I can't see that happening. I can't see, you know, any, any of these things happening. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, there's, again, there's just so many layers. It's and, too you know, much. It's funny, like, we've been talking now for a good 20 minutes about this. And it's just like, I'm not even sure if we, we have certainly not solved any of these questions or answered no. any of these, these burning, you know, oh, yeah, go out and trade for that guy. That's perfect. Like, we're never going to do that. And, you know, we're going to rehash old stuff and talk about, but there's just, that's part of the problem. It's like, we are so close to it that there's just so many layers. And if you're like a national writer, like you and I were talking before about Eric Duhatchik and he like, you know, had this like trade deadline primer. This is a guy who lives in Calgary. He's he's covered the flames for a long time. He's a very, very esteemed writer. You may have seen him at the hockey news and everything. This guy, I mean, for him to remember the Islanders exist requires brain power that I think he's just you know, tired of using at this point. He's never going to do it. So he's never going to have any of those guys on his to trade board. Like, what do you think? He doesn't give a shit, you know? But it's because there's – and even if he did, it'd be like, well, yeah, they can trade this guy and get that that money. Yeah, they can trade Anders Lee, get $7 million off the books. Yeah, they're not going to trade Anders <laughs> Lee. Are you kidding me? Again, like, the, the reason Anders Lee is here because of reasons A, B, C, D, all the way down to, you know, X, Y, and Z, like – they're never going to do that. And like, you could look at a number on a, on a cap friendly page and be like, yeah, they could probably trade him and clear seven. Million. Okay, sure. That's never going to happen. So it's, it's the Islanders are in such a funny spot. just in terms of like uh, the way they're covered that, that your best way to kind of get a feel for what can happen is talk to, you know, well adjusted Islander fans, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to get it from, you know, all due respect to, to the writers at, you know, the athletic or whatever, like, you're not going to get uh, any satisfaction from from the way they cover the team. So, like, the best way to do it is just to talk and to. T- I mean, I'll always talk about the Islanders. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like you you want to talk about these kind of situations and what, the pros and cons of trading Scott Mayfield. God, <laughs> I got all day for that. Like, I I do. Like, cause, but um, you're just not going to get that from Eric Duhatchik and stuff like that. And um, it's. Yeah, and and I know just one more thing to just touch on, which you you mentioned the, the for the first time too since uh, Tavares left, like the Islanders aren't in a cap crunch at all. Like right. next season, like they they have room to to make these maneuvers, and and hopefully they're not uh, you know trading for for the uh, the type of guys that they traded for the last time they weren't you know like they're not signing Leo Komarovs and stuff like that. <laughs> Who, by the way, congratulations to him yes. uh, for the gold medal. I. Um, but it's uh, it's it's the, the, this off season and the trade deadline in the off season like is not as complicated as they were last le- the last two because uh, because of the cap right like they could go take swings at guys they can make trades without having to trade Andrew Ladd and Nick Letty's contract so uh, this is like we said it's it's a it's an ex- in terrible time right now because of how they're playing but like not all hope is lost for for this team for next year um so that's that's like you said like that's that is the the layer that people i don't think will get to i think you know the, yeah. the surface level thing here is the islanders have been a huge disappointment they're old they have a lot of bad contracts they should do everything they can to clean clean house like no for some teams yeah that's the right path but for this team that's not the right path uh they're not the sharks they're they're a completely different in a completely different spot right now in this league um so yeah i think it's like it's it's weird to say like you can have the pitchfork out but also take a deep breath <laughs> yeah just just you could leave it in the room just just leave yeah. it against the wall It'll yeah right. there. um speaking of the sharks and west coast writers that wouldn't know the islanders from a hole in the wall the islanders are about <laughs> to embark on uh, their annual Trip through California with this one with an added wrinkle. They're actually going to go play in Seattle uh, Tuesday night, uh, probably the night, the day, uh, the night 
that you're listening to this, uh, they will be in Climate Change Arena in Seattle for the first time ever. Then they play the Sharks, Kings, the Sharks on Thursday, the Kings on Saturday, the Ducks on Sunday. That's an 8.30 start. I think it's 5.30 local time. California, it's a little bit weird. And then they finish up with a uh, definitely lose game in Denver on Tuesday against the Avalanche. Um, you know, I'm looking at five games here, four of which are very winnable. And I, I say that with all due respect. I know these teams are pretty good. The Kings in particular are in playoff position right now. They're, they're pretty good. They came and they played a really good game against the Islanders at UBS. But, I mean, the Kraken, the Sharks, and even the Ducks who have fallen off from a really, really good start, these are teams that the Islanders can beat, and they can get points here. And I'm not saying that because they're in a playoff race. I'm not saying that because I want the Islanders to completely ruin their draft position. I mean, just for something, some kind of positive vibes, please. Don't lose all five of these games. I'm begging you, don't do it. Win the games that you can win. And, I mean, if they can go five and two, then that's fine. Like, just do something. And it's just, there's some, I, I feel like, and you know, we've been talking about this for an hour now, these guys know each other. They're, they're as tight as a team could possibly be. And they've had this talk after the Buffalo game. I can't imagine they're not going to talk before the Seattle game about, look, we let these guys come into our building and kick our ass. And we need to return the favor and come out of this building with two points. And the same with the Sharks. And the same with the Ducks. Like, they can do, and even with the Kings, like they can do this. The Avalanche game, look, I mean, at the end of the road trip, best team in the league. Like, I'm not expecting. I, I might, if if you, I said this on Twitter, that might be a good night to watch Peacemaker on HBO Max if you haven't already. It's fantastic. You should watch the Suicide Squad first, but if you haven't, it's still really great. Because um, don't watch that game because it's going to be a disaster. And hey, you never know. Maybe they win that game. You know, the Avalanche have dropped a couple recently, and maybe seen a little, seen a little bit vulnerable. But forget about the playoffs. Forget about draft position. Forget about anything. Just Try and get some pride. Try and try and play like you care about each other. Like just you know, don't don't come out and spot the other team two goals in the first period. Like don't do that. You know, come out and play well. Don't play well for eight minutes, like Mike said before. Play well for a whole game and see what happens. It's just show people that this team's window isn't closed. That you know, oh yes, there's still life left in these guys, and they haven't just sort of given up and are waiting for themselves <laughs> to come back and, and show up and, and rescue the season because the season is essentially like, let's let's be honest, they're not going to play. But, like, do something. Show somebody something that the Islanders aren't dead. And it wasn't, like, a three-year, you know, vacation uh, that got them pretty good. And now it's over. Like, it should it should go on a little bit longer. They can do that. That's yeah, I agree. Do. And it's, like, and, and there's the little things, like, you guys like Kiefer Bellows or Sebastian Ajo. Show us you you, you do belong right. in the NHL. Like, stuff like that. But you nailed it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could say it better. It's just you do – Earn, earn, give, give the fans a little false hope coming back from this trip. <laughs> the same, same thing we said last week. Just, yeah. you know, the, the Calgary frame, Flames, they're much better than the Islanders this season. Sure, they've won ten games in a row. Like teams yeah. do go on these runs, and the island, even a ten game winning streak doesn't rescue the season. But um, you, you can't go on a ten game winning streak without winning the first game. So, like, <laughs> give us the false hope that that win streak's coming still, because you know we're all losers and lunatics, and we will believe it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, a little bit goes a long way. Uh, okay. Uh, quick, couple of quick shout-outs uh, before we uh, we head off uh, for another uh, episode. So uh, you mentioned it before. Shout-out to the Finnish uh, Olympic team for taking home gold medal. Uh, uh, Val Filpola, Leo Komarov, a couple of former Islanders on that list. They apparently got some calls from their, their former teammates, and that's great. And, you know, I, I know it's like an unpopular opinion. I don't want to go off on all things, but, like, I, this is why I like when NHL players don't go to the Olympics because teams like Finland, who you know might have finished bronze or maybe not even, can win a gold medal. And and shout out Slovakia too and our old Islanders friend Miro Shatan for coming home with bronze. Like that's awesome. You know, I mean that's great. And yeah, okay, maybe it wouldn't have happened if the NHLers were there, but they weren't. So it worked out pretty well, I think, for them. And uh, and good for them. That was pretty cool. Um, also, a uh, really cool shout out to a listener named Rod Deans. Rod emailed me. Uh, a couple of days ago, and he sent me a great picture that I'm going to post at Lighthouse Hockey and the article for this. And he just said, uh, hey, Dan, I thought you might like this. He was down visiting family in his hometown of Moose Jaw, and he took a picture of the outdoor rink uh, down the street from his parents' house. They used to skate there uh, all the time when they were kids, and the rink is at the Clark Gillies Recreation Area. Uh, Clark Gillies apparently used to skate there, too, when he was a kid. And uh, it's just awesome. Rod's got his, uh, his Islanders jacket on, his fisherman jersey on, looking great. And uh, if anybody out there is in the area of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, 
or planning on visiting anywhere near Moose Jaw, I guarantee you're going to want to go check out Clark Gilly's Recreation Area. It is there. It's got a really cool sign. And uh, thanks, Rod, for uh, sending it. I had no idea this existed. So this was a very exciting email to get because I'm like, wow, that's pretty awesome. I had no idea, but that's awesome. So check it out. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, we are going to come back this week with um, another Weird Islanders. We're hoping to uh, get some together. I'm going to try and record before the Sharks game. Uh, and then uh, that'll go up on Friday. Uh, so we're going to try and get that going. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, the Islanders can uh, get something working this week. Uh, in the meantime, check out VintageIceHockey.com. Check out Betway. Check out the Pinot Project. Uh, what is your Twitter handle again? The Big Lee Basket with two E's. Check out Mike on Twitter at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Uh, what do you got cooking uh, this week? Uh, I think uh, line change came out today, right? Or was that? Uh... It comes out yeah Tuesdays and Thursdays, okay. and then uh, Wonder Goal on yeah. uh, Thursdays and Mondays. E- EPL picking up again, right? They, they say yeah, Champions League EPL. It's yeah. it's been a fun season in soccer, and then obviously the World Cup in yeah. uh, in Qatar is coming up in December, and the draw is April first, so we'll have something for that. Oh, but. Yeah, I mean, we, we can get into the geopolitical stuff later. It'll <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, check that. Check out Wonder Goal for that and and more stuff because uh, it's, it's pretty cool if you're into soccer and uh, it's it's great. They'll, they'll cover all that stuff. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We will be back again next week. Uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll we'll have to schedule uh, something between I guess the Ducks and and Avalanche games or figure something out. Uh, but we will be back and and hopefully we have some some good vibes and false hope to talk about that. (laughs) Thanks a lot for listening and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.